the Province Sports Podcast. Welcome to our post-draft pre-free agency version of the Whitetail Podcast. You can subscribe to us through Apple Podcasts. Get our uh, Canuck news and other insight uh, at any time you want, right? Delivered to your inbox. And I will remind you at this point, while we talk about inboxes, um, if you'd like more access to the province.com or the vancouver.sun.com's award-winning journalism, because you're a podcast listener, you can get a free 30-day subscription. You just go to vancouversun.com or theprovince.com slash podcast, and you'll be able to get the offer there. So... I am joined by Canuck beat writer extraordinaire Patrick Johnson. Jeez, oh, yeah, Patrick, this is normally is that what I get for one year. I mean, I have actually technically not one year on the job, I guess. But is that will there be a, a cap? Yeah, you're right. Let's say extraordinaires or a cap yeah. waiting. Well, for you've me done it. You have done a full season. Okay, so so yes, you qualify for that. And what an interesting season it was. Now, after the lull there, obviously never boring. No, yeah, when the Canucks were. Uh, obviously not in the playoffs. Now we're hit with this world when obviously a little bit stronger because right. the Canucks hosted the draft. I had fun, by the way. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, I know there were, there were things, there were hiccups. There was the Wi-Fi meltdown on Friday evening just as Pud Colson got drafted. And I mean, I personally didn't have an issue having to walk through the concourse to get to the interview pods, but you know, I, I could understand how that was maybe a challenge for yeah. for others. It, it, it was a fun event, though. And it was I, a good, yeah. We'll jump into that in a second because we did a pod last week dealing with the pick of Pud Colson. So we are going to talk about the rest of the Canucks draft class and we're going to, have to talk about free agency and maybe even beyond trades, that kind of stuff. Right. But while we talk about the draft, just around the mechanics of it, again, I found the energy great. I know a lot of people were complaining about the entertainment value on the Friday night, but I don't know what more you want unless you want Jim Belling, Benning to come out on a unicycle, you know, juggling, juggling. flaming bowling pins, you know. <laughs> I, I don't know how people complain about the lack of trades. I'm not sure about that. Well, that's us. I mean, we like we like chaos. We like that's drama. Our business, right. right. It was pretty straightforward after the Canucks made their pick. I'm not, I, I'll say I was a little taken aback that on the Saturday, with all the talk of the draft being out, mm. it looked like there were purely just draftees and family in the crowd. Not many people took in day two. Uh, I think there were more fans there than you realize. You're right. It was not as big a crowd as there was. But I was impressed, honestly, when I when I was walking on the con- concourse, not just seeing the number of Canucks fans, but just fans from places I didn't expect to see at all. I, I mean, I saw, I think, fans from just about every team in the league. People yeah. traveled for the event. It was, you know, I think when I was doing my little numbers thing to set it up, you know, you get these numbers thrown at you, and sometimes you're like, eh, I don't know. But, you know, I think it was something they estimated, something like 5,000 tickets were sold to people who didn't live in in the lower mainland. Yeah, it was a great opportunity to come yeah. down and kind of be around a big league event. Something I did want to touch on in hindsight, we talked about the reaction. I thought it got buried here. I understand, you don't have to name names, but I understand some people in the Canucks Brain Trust weren't happy with the crowd reaction initially because I think it's because he was an unknown. Yeah. There was this weird thing. When think- he was picked, everyone, you looked at the players that were left. Yeah. And I think fans were expecting another name. I don't think Pod Colson was on their radar at no, all. No, he wasn't. I mean, he was a name that if you talk to people who are draft followers, guys who write about the draft, you know, and there's a number of them out there locally, especially that, you know, I think is obvious, you know, who I talk to. And they were they were really high on him. They were sort of saying, listen, this kid, there's a, he's big, he's strong. He takes the puck to the net. He likes, I mean, as Jed Brackett says, he will take on defenders and, and go right at them. He's not afraid of that kind of playing in traffic notion, and he's got great hands. And I and that if he didn't have that two year deal to play in the KHL St. Petersburg, he would be in the NHL next fall. And guys that are in the NHL the the fall after they're drafted are usually drafted quite high. I mean, obviously Quinn Hughes 
could have been that guy, and he wasn't drafted in the top three. But, you know, it's another case of a draft pick where the Canucks have swung through the fences, and I think already people are saying it's going to be a home run. And and I think from that standpoint, you know, the Canucks brass themselves knew that because they, they had done so much homework on this kid and, and were so confident in him, you know, if he were there, this was the guy we want, and he's sort of the guy that the last guy we want at that slot. Otherwise, we're going to move down and sort of see what else we can do in this draft. And so the reaction, I mean, it was a mixed reaction. And I think that, I don't know if it caught them off guard, but it was it was certainly something where you're like, okay, you know, maybe, I mean, they, how do, I don't quite know how to put it. I mean, I, I can understand why they didn't frame him at ever to us when you sort of try to poke around and get a sense of who they're looking at. Uh, and, and certainly, um, you know, it was, it, 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 it caught us all off guard. I mean, there were those of us that had seen his name and said, "Okay, yeah, this is a cool pick," but it's not. It wasn't a pick that I think we were expecting to see from the Canucks. I think when and, Z- and that's why I think the fans reacted the way they no, did. No, absolutely. I think when Zegras, uh, Caulfield, yeah. and Krebs in particular were still there at ten, mm-hmm. those were well, players that Zegras had been talked right before. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's what I'm saying. Sorry. Like leading into that. Oh, I see. The fact that yes. like people were, I just saw yeah. all this reaction. Like, yeah. we're going to get one of these three guys yeah. or four guys. Yeah. Like, we or can't Boldy. believe. Yeah, Boldy yeah. was the other guy. We can't believe that they're all here. We're going to get a uh. great player. And I don't think they were educated. I don't want to say not educated, but I, the Canucks had done a really good job at a smokescreen, considering yeah. that. Not a lot of people had them taking puck holes, and now maybe that was the guy they wanted all along. I wonder if Zegris had still been there, whether they what their decision yeah. then would have been. Regardless, I, st- I I do another podcast, our national hockey podcast. Shout out to Mike Trakos off the post. Did it with him this great week. job on the draft uh, draft weekend by Mike. By yeah, the way. Mike was really good. Like it's very good. If there's you don't a hero. Stuff, yeah, it's Darm, and then it's, our, our, and, our producer and then, here, and then yeah. it's Mike. Yeah. But Mike was telling me uh, this week, we talked on Wednesday, and he said he'd had a reaction from other GMs who loved the Canucks pick yeah. because they basically said at 10, a lot of guys would be safe. Take a guy that you know is going to make your roster. There is some doubt around Pod Colson, but the upside is yeah. high. The doubt, And the doubt is that he stays in Russia. Yeah. That, that he, or that he doesn't adapt to the NHL, as you always that he, with, and that's with Russians. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But I think, Hi, Nail Yakupov. Yeah, or, or yeah, or let's be honest, Nikita Trampkin. Like yeah. he just he uh, you know he got homesick, and that was a challenge, and, and that's going to be something to address in the next couple of years. And uh, you know, obviously, the fact that um, you know the kid doesn't speak English, and yeah. this, it's not just English; it's culture. Uh, and, and you know that that was something you, like Nikolai Goldobin has talked a lot about the challenge for him coming over. Now he came over in in junior, and you know I think he's adapted pretty well, but. You know, he's honest. He said it was it was pretty nice when I had Tramkin here, when I had Burmese Drop here. Like, you know, you, you kind of get it. Like, imagine you're in Russia, and you're in a team full of Russians. Like, everyone's like you get you know you after a while learn the jokes, but every once in a while you want to yeah. make a Seinfeld joke. I and I, if there's no one there to land the Seinfeld joke with, or whatever, you know. Yeah, Whatever I, jokes they land now, I know that's a dated Riverdale. Record. You should Riverdale, Riverdale joke. Riverdale, contract, Riverdale yes, joke. Sound, sound hip. Yeah, um, there you go. No, I, I'm just – I've been kind of smirking and laughing here to myself um, because I had a couple of people suggest to me that Goldobin could be, you know, a valuable piece. Two years from for now. Book, and I said to my – I said to them, I cannot <laughs> take two more years of – 
Goldie, will he, won't he? Has yeah, he been yeah, played yeah, yeah. enough? Yeah, yeah. Is he just like, I can't take two more years of that. So either something drastically happens to his game or maybe that's not the thing This is need. the biggest motivation Goldie yeah. needed in his career. Exactly. Stick around I'm for two years to that. make the Don't other worry. kid happy. Um, so let's talk about the rest of the draft. One of the themes that I thought that I loved, actually, you know, the second round pick, which you, you wrote about uh, this week as well. Nils Hoglander. Yeah. Um, or Hoglander, probably. Yeah. Shockingly, you hear assessments like "We had him much higher on our own. We're surprised he was twenty-two. I believe is what somebody every, had every GM says that. But he looks like the kind of piece that, if he develops, Canuck fans can get excited about. But beyond that, the theme of the draft seemed to be size. The Canucks, most of the other yeah. players they drafted, you would say, are on the larger size of guys that age. And it's a general, yeah. I mean, you see, a, like for instance, you see Aiden McDonough in person, and you're impressed at how wide his shoulders were. And he was a kid that we saw on the weekend. You know, he's a long shot. I think it was sixth round, right? Like he's a long, long shot pick. Um, but the interesting thing, actually, I found about all this is, yeah, yeah, size is is. It's not that they're drafting because they're big. They like that. They like that they're big after the fact that they said these kids can play, and being able to play, having a brain. Um, they, you know, the the focus has really become, you know, having a good setup, good good skater, you know, good hands. Good brain. I mean, I, asked, I was I was talking with one of the one of the Canucks staffs on uh, this week. We were talking about one of the defensemen they had invited to uh, invited to development camp, and I said, you know, what what do we what stands out about this guy? Is it just another good feet, good hands, good brain? And he went exactly. So that's the kind of priority where they're at, and that's why they, you get a guy like Hoglander who's only. You know, he's listed at five nine. I think that's probably accurate. Um, that's why you get a guy like you know Tyler Madden. I mean, I finally saw Tyler Madden in the flesh, and you can see like he's built like a hockey player, but he's not a he's not a big guy, you know. And and so they said no, he's got all the other things. He's not a big guy, but he plays big. That's what they say about you know he's willing to be a physical player. And and then you see Ethan Kepin, who clearly you know has a big frame, six foot two. You know he's he is that very much what you're talking about, and very much sort of the the prototypical draft pick that the Canucks had this year, which is that he can play. Oh, and by the way, he's got size, and they really like that. So yeah, it's it's a it's a group of players that's very um, you know it's very narrow in terms of their kind of approach and what they're trying to bring in. But it, it, you know if you're looking for what a rebuilding team should be doing. These are the kind of picks you make because they're a bunch of players who are who are similar, but you know what? If if you know you want to have at least two pan out, and if you get three or four of them pan out, then all of a sudden you're feeling better because these are guys that you know are all going to be you know pretty similar uh, con- contributors to your big league club. Going to be honest, uh, I mean, I put this out there on social media. There's something about that Kepin pick that I really like, and mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not acting like an expert here. I've not yeah. seen the kid play. Yeah. After he was drafted, was intrigued by him and read a bunch of stuff on him. Seems to have a right attitude. Seems like a smart kid. Obviously, you can question the level he's been playing at in Flint, but obviously put up some numbers. Yeah. And a then lot he's got for the a pretty size. bad team. Yeah. You know? So I mean, who knows? I just kind of have a feeling about that pick, though. It's a fourth rounder, so yeah. you, you yeah. know, you're, there's no. There's a reason why there's he a went in the fourth round. chance that he's right. going to be an yeah. impact player. But at the same time, it's just, I don't know why. There's something about that pick that I, I thought, eh, they, this might have been a real find. That was the other thing I found myself. It was a little bit, you know, every year you're like, oh, wow, look at this guy. Yeah. Look at this guy. Yeah. Look at, and it's fun. And then that's, I think, I mean, I've never been an, sort of an obsessive prospects guy, but I've always enjoyed the draft just to kind of, 
you know, you know, maybe this guy will work out, or maybe that guy, will, you know, and and then of course, you know, they kind of fall away, and you sort of lose track of them, and you know, not all of them make it. And, um, oh yeah, it wasn't that long ago, Patrick. We were talking about what is steel, Cole Castles, and Jordan Subban were. Absolutely. You know, and you see how quickly that changed. Petrus Palmo. Yeah. <laughs> For better or worse. So the other story of day two of the draft, obviously, was yeah. the trade. And it's, it's an interesting trade because well, we know. Trades. Yeah. Well, yes, but really, it's Miller Perron. is the one. You don't want to talk about Perron? Um, well, we can if you want. No, I have um, nothing to say about yeah. that. Yeah. So it's more the fact that, okay, fine. The Canucks made a pretty big deal. Um, yeah. As the deal leaked out, and you, and this is the beauty of social media, you see the reaction as it comes along. You know, obviously Miller is a guy that you can make all sorts of arguments about how he mm-hmm. makes the team better. Yep. They want to compete. They want to progress. But as the return like ground away, yeah, you can overvalue picks if you want. But a first rounder, yep, on top of a of a th- of a third rounder. I mean, throw away the prospect, but in in Zanuck, no. the, the goalie, but not a prospect. And, but, and no, say just, what it is, just, as just I said player. before, seventh-round pick. Yeah. But I don't know. You're, with a week's reflection, was there a way to upgrade your team without giving up a first-rounder, considering this is a this is a front office that prides itself yeah. on drafting? You know, the interesting thing is is when you sort of frame it. Again, another thing to frame against P.K. Subban because they were interested. They were interested in P.K. Subban. You know, it's not clear how far the talks got – but there were, you know, at some point discussions about something like a second round pick and like Adam Gaudet, but also the Predators keeping some of that salary. And, you know, first of all, the Canucks need, do need to be careful with their salary cap. Uh, Subban is on a three year deal, or he's got three years left on his deal. That third year would be the first year of the Hughes Pedersen contracts. So they do have to keep those sorts of things in mind. You know, we do know that. Uh, you know the the team has not been making money, if at all, the last few years because they haven't been in the playoffs. They haven't been selling tickets. You know their their TV contract obviously is kind of set in stone because that's always been there. So the, the you know the variables that uh, they they control themselves, you know, are ticket sales and playoffs, and they haven't had either of those. So you know, and we know this is an ownership group that and every other part of their business have always been cost conscious. So you know, if you're looking for a, a, a player to add like a Subban and on a big ticket like that, you know, you start wondering, you know, were they ever willing to eat the whole part of the salary anyway? Uh, but that's sort of the aside. I mean, if you can't get PK Subban in trade, well, there were other. De- there are. I mean, there still are other defensemen available in trade. So that's kind of the framing of it. The Canucks were clear. Jim Benning was clear from almost the end of the season. He wanted a top six forward. He wanted a top four defenseman. I think they've gone around it, gone about it backwards, because at the end of the day, you probably could have got PK Subban for a price that probably was a lot less than JT Miller. And if you're looking to get a defenseman, P.K. Subban's a pretty good defenseman to bring into your lineup. Um, and then flip it around. And he'll also sell you some tickets. He'll too. sell you some tickets. And then flip it around, there are forwards out there. I mean, there's not a, a slew of forwards available, but there's some interesting. More choice. There's more choice, you know, and guys that are going to be out there. Like, J.T. Miller is going to make this team better. Like, that. there's no denying that. Uh, but... It's about what else you could have done. It's not just what you did. It's not like this was the only move available. And th- and that, I think, is the thing that starts adding up, is that there's sort of missed opportunities that, you know, they add up. And if you miss this, you miss that, miss that, all of a sudden it piles up and you're dealing with, you know, you're spending $10 million for your fourth line because, you know, one of the, at least one of the players hasn't worked out. 
it won't seem so bad if they make the playoffs next year right. and they're giving up the 15th or 16th pick. It will look like an absolute disaster if they are out of the playoffs the next two years. Yeah. And the pick's protected next year, but that means there's a lottery pick going to um, going to the Lightning at that point. And you only yeah. have to look at the yeah. Colorado Avalanche yeah. and the Ottawa Senators yeah. this year. They had a pre- the Avalanche got a pretty good player yeah. that folks around here know pretty well for that exact scenario. But I guess that's why we have these snap judgments. Right. It's a gamble. Yeah. Uh, let's wait and see how it pans out, I guess. The danger is, too, that you don't want to become the Edmonton Oilers, right? I mean, the Oilers- Which everyone seems to be making that comparison right now. With all the, the, the hockey guys around the hockey world, mm-hmm. it was nice to have the media here. That was a comparison I heard yeah. a lot after that trade. Because, like, we know the Canucks have some really, really handy top-end players. Uh, but you don't want to lose sight of the fact you got to do everything else. And as things stand... You know, the, the Canucks, like the, to quote a, a late friend of ours, there's a great sea of Grandlands at the bottom of that lineup. And, you know, the, the, those guys don't, those guys, you need, you need guys in the lineup, but you need guys that are like good. And, and that <laughs> you know, make Patrick, t- why aren't you in NHL? I know. The reason that. I know. You need guys that, <laughs> that are, are good. good, right? But, you know, I mean, you think back, I, you know, I, I hate to keep talking about 2011, but one of the, Keys to 2011 wasn't just that. Obviously, they had the Sedins, they had Ryan Kessler, they had a legendary goalie, uh, you know, a great defense core. They had guys on the third and fourth lines, on the third pairing on defense, you know, who were players that on another team would have been higher up the lineup. And one nothing game, Max Lapierre scores a goal like that. Those yeah. were the, your perfect deals for yeah. bringing the character uh-huh, guys. Exactly, and I think you know it was pointed out. Someone else. I mean, just I mean, I, I assume we'll talk about Luongo later. But the Luongo yeah. deal, for instance, you know, uh, him and several others. But you combine them all together, allowed the Canucks to trade for Chris Higgins and Max Lapierre. Like they had cap space, they had flexibility because veteran players had you know taken on these contracts and. And that was just thinking about, like I said, that's not missing opportunities. And you flip the other end of the coin, and this has not been a Jim Benning strength, has not been sort of building out all the opportunities and understanding all the things that are you want to leave available to you. So that when you sign Louis Erickson for $6 million, and it clearly was never going to be a contract he could work out to, when you sign Brandon Sutter to a $4.5 million deal that still has three years or four years to run, you know these are things that add up. And those are two contracts right now between the two of them. That's $10 million. And neither player you really want to have in your lineup anymore. Yeah. So, you know, wh- where are you at? Like, that's, that's to me, there's a, that's the opportunity cost. You've missed out on opportunities because you made these rash decisions with both those players. And that that becomes the problem of where the Canucks are at, that, that risk, like I said, of becoming the Oilers. It's all the missed opportunities, the chances to actually shore up your team in a different way because you were so sort of, this is what we want to do and we're going to do only that and not having that sort of sense of, wait a second, is that actually, what's the other What's the other alternative? What's the other option? What's the counterfactual? So let's surprise some people here uh, and not be typical media guys and, and <laughs> let's, let's look at our glasses half full. Right. Obviously, there's ramifications down the road losing a first round pick I think is sure. terrible sure. unless you're bringing in an impact player but Miller does make the team better yes. where do you expect him to play and what are realistic goals and expectations for him well, for next year I mean he's a guy that's been a 20 goal scorer in the past he's he's a good passer like he's got he, he, he rings up the assists he's very good well regarded in, in what we call now the transition game he's good at you know basically helping on the breakouts and that was a clearly an issue um, that the Canucks, I think, themselves, even the coaching staff knew. 
it was it was interesting um it was interesting last Thursday, I think I mentioned this, I went to this Canucks, or uh, sorry, NHL Coaches Association conference, and the opening address was by Travis Green, and he talked about sort of some of his own uh, sort of motivations in, in, as a coach in terms of the sort of, uh, you know, the, the psychological aspect, the man management, as they call it in soccer, and just sort of how he tries to work with young players. But they also had 15 minutes with Manny Malhotra, and Manny talked a lot about, you know, sort of the idea of pre-scouting and what they look for in other teams and then try to apply, uh, you know, in terms of their own game prep. And one of the things he talked quite a bit was about their uh, approach to breakouts and uh, and what other teams were doing on breakouts as well. So, I mean, you know this is something they're thinking about as a system, and that was clearly a challenge with good, Eric Branson was not very good at that. Um, and it was also just about how what, what your wingers understand what they're doing. And, I, you know, I, I it was never something specifically mentioned about Goldie, but, like, he was a player that I know frustrated them because, you know, he had, you know, there's a lot of great skill there, but there's a lot of gaps in his game, and they wanted to try to fill them in, and they didn't. And I he's not the only player in that lineup that I think they know had these challenges. Um, and so a guy like Miller comes in, he's a, he is another option to help in that area. He, he clearly has demonstrated an ability to do that. Uh, he's he's going to play with Patterson. He's going to play with Besser. Like the, I, I've mentioned this before, at the end of the season, Travis Green uh, clearly identified what he was looking for to play with those two guys. It was sort of a Zach Hyman type uh, on on the Leafs, you know, who plays with Matthews and and as a guy that you know he's not there to score goals. He's he's the guy to kind of almost do the dirty work, if you will. He works on the boards. He's the guy that in in many ways is is understanding his role is to fetch the puck and then find the find the skilled players on his line. Uh, and, and in many ways, Miller's a similar kind of player. He's going to be that guy. And, and yeah, he, I think he's going to make that line work better. You know, that was the other challenge. Once once the, the decision was made to put Pedersen with Besser, you know, Besser's clearly a shooter. Pedersen's sort of a shooter-playmaker kind of hybrid. You know, you need that third element on that line, um, the sort of the banger-crasher type, the guy who can actually make those dirty area plays. And free up space for the other two, and I, you know Miller is going to be a good addition in that regard. Yeah, I've heard that. It obviously, depends which camp you're in. I've heard a couple right. of things here. One is that you know he was buried in a very talented lineup yeah. in Tampa Bay, and that people could be pleasantly su- surprised, and his numbers could flourish mm-hmm. being given more of a frontline role in this team. And others are like, well, no, he was down the lineup there for a reason. <laughs> right. So, which camp are you in? I think I'm in the, the in the former. I mean, I, I I totally appreciate the latter point, which is that yeah, you're right. Like. He wasn't. He he didn't beat out any of the guys ahead of him in the lineup, and that's a that's a fair point. Um, but at the same time, there's he's a bit like Antoine Roussel, where Antoine Roussel was also helped his team playing down the lineup, and Miller helped his team by playing down the lineup. Uh, you know, the part of the story with the Lightning. I mean, that's the story of all great teams, right? It's not just that they have a great top set of forwards. It's that they have a secondary group that can take advantage of other teams' as a secondary group. And that's, in a, in a way, it's that's a talent into, unto itself. You know, you look at what a lot of teams run out on their third and fourth lines, and those are players that are, you know, what we call replacement level players, that so you can kind of interchange them. And finding the guys that can actually uh, rise above the rest, as Miller did, as Roussel did, uh, become you know, they become players that you could put on another lineup. You can put in a bigger role. Um, you know, you would. I, I, I think you know that there is the there is that 
again, that latter point where it's like, well, you know, he's playing down the lineup. And, you you know, I think the, if you look at most of the great teams, most of the great teams do find their top-end players themselves through the draft. You know, there's not a lot of those guys found in free agency. There's not a lot of those guys found via trade. There are more trades than free agents. But at the end of the day, he's a guy, like I said, I, I think he is going to be, he is going to flourish in that role. He There's enough about him that says it wasn't, it's not a blip. He's consistently played well and he's consistently put numbers up in a role that's in the middle of the lineup. And whether it's the second line or the third line hasn't really mattered. He's always scored. And I think that to me is the, is the sort of sign that he will, he will do well in this job. I mean, that was this, that was the challenge with Goldie. They started the year with him on, on Pedersen's wing, but you know, he'd been a guy that had scored at the AHL, but in the, and in the NHL, he, you know, he'd done well enough as a scorer, but there hadn't been enough that said this guy clearly is going to be a top line scorer in the NHL. And, you know, he basically proved to be that he's not. I mean, I think he could be a depth winger on the Canucks still, but that's the statement. It's sort of, it's the opposite to me that Miller proved by producing up on the third line, which he's done. I mean, the guy's been multiple time 50 point player. He's, he's scored goals. He's set up goals. That to me tells us, yeah, this guy can do more than just be a third line winger. So again, reference Mike Tracos, he was saying, you know, there's this feeling Every year, that these are the two weeks to change your franchise. Right. You know, draft, free agency, got your trades in there. So, yes, we've talked about the trade. Yeah. We've talked about the draft, free agency. Tyler Myers. Tyler bust. Myers seems like the guy. Um, the, the, like, know. is this a done deal? I've seen. It's not like, a done the, the deal. The crappy thing, Patrick, is yeah. I've seen so much negative reaction already that before it's done, people are already complaining about the term, which you don't know what it is, yeah. about the dollar value, you don't know what it is. We know the ballpark. It's not, he, he's not coming here on a one or two I mean, year deal at yeah. $4 million. It's going to be a cap eating number for how long we this, can assume that it's going to be a significant period of time. Yeah. But they need, he's the top defenseman available, isn't he? And the Canucks are going after him. Well, yeah. I mean, he's a top defense. Ah, I'd say Jake Gardner is a better defenseman than him. I think Jake Gardner is the best defenseman. You think that's a better fit for the Canucks? That, well, I mean, now that they've re-signed Edler and they want to have a spot for Hughes and you know, and I think they want, give you Levy a shot. They, you know, I think they want to make sure there is a potential space for you Levy. You never know what actually happens with Ben Hutton, um, but I, I think I, I think they don't really have a space for him anymore. I, I certainly have talked to a few people that sort of have the sense that yeah, the Canucks are basically, you know, they all their focus has been on Myers. It's not surprised given everything we've heard sort of leak out. Um, you know, and I've talked to people that are involved with some of the other, you know, other free agents and, uh, and, you know, or, or have connections to them or, or thoughts on what their, you know, their agents or whatever are trying to go for, you know, and they, they, they say, yeah, no, it seems pretty clear from all the back chat that you hear on sort of the player side of things that Myers is the guy they're interested in. You know, I think there was interest in Gardner, but uh, I think it was more like, what if we don't keep Edler? So I'm not sure that's going to happen there. Maybe maybe I'll put my media critic hat on for a moment. I mean, you see, especially on Twitter, right? You see a lot of, oh, they're going after this, they're going after this, they're going after that. I mean, so much of that is you have to sit back and think about, okay, who is this person, you know, who's this reporter, you know, whoever it is, and there's many examples of this out there. You know, who, who are they likely talking to? And what are the motivations of the people that are talking to them in terms of the information they're giving? I mean, we deal with this all the time. What is this person trying to tell me? Why are they telling me that? Uh, especially when it's someone you know you you don't spend a lot of time with, you know why are they floating this piece of information? And also a lot of the numbers you see that get out there are you know I think desired 
numbers on the player slash agent side you know you do occasionally see numbers floated out on the team side but you know they're they're, i I find they tend to be framed differently it's more like you know like oh yeah no we're not interested or we're trying to do this or that and the other um so the myers thing at the same time though you know it's been pretty clear the number that his camp has been after is a six and a half seven million dollar deal for like multiple multiple years six seven years you know that that that's been what they've been pushing for and you know there are a lot more teams now that are very wary of that kind of chatter and that kind of term and so you look at around the league now which teams are still willing to do that which do in many ways think kind of in these old terms and let's be honest Jim Benning and the Canucks is still one of those teams and okay so that's a so great- so that you know in a way like they're kind of a mark they're like yeah, the agents so are saying gonna, like this is where we're going to go a, because they'll give us what we want that's a great point um I've seen a lot of conversation around this and people unhappy that maybe the term's not there. But last year with Jay Beagle, possibly even with Louis Erickson, like are the Canucks competing against themselves? Is there yeah. is there oh, a absolutely. lot? No, but is there a lot of demand for Tyler Myers services? It's tough to say. I think that's a really interesting question. We certainly haven't seen a lot of names linked with him otherwise, have we? No, I mean, I know the Leafs, which are a team that are far closer than the Canucks, they are desperately seeking an upgrade to their defense. Now, yeah. they have cap hell to yep. deal with. But, but they're not interested. They're in not it. interested at all in even and making it work. that should tell you a lot. So, I, you know, I, I think they're, you know, they have been guilty. I mean, it happened with Louie. It happened with Beagle. Um, there have been instances in the past of, like, when when they traded Hunter Carrick for, um, was it Marcus Granlund? I'm yeah. I'm a blank now. I saw a great great note on that by the way this week. Uh, there's like there's a connection of I think like four or five guys yeah, and they've they're all, all been released. Yeah, this they've week. all been released. Yeah, but they um, no, that was a deal that by all accounts there were literally GMs that said I didn't know that Shin Carrick was available. I mean Shin Carrick has washed out as a prospect, right? But at the time there was still some excitement for him, and and um, you know there were team there were other teams that would have probably offered more and and that's been a running pattern is that oh okay cool we'll do that you know literally it's like i call one guy up and we'll do that one deal i mean it's the opposite in, in many ways of of um, you know the great trade scene in moneyball where billy bean literally tries to invent a market for a player that he doesn't want and uh and manages to sort of ratchet up until you know, he gets the guy that he, he sort of gets the price that he wants and gets the guy, the other guy, and turns it into something else that he can go get. It's that sort of multi dimensional roster management, I guess. Is the best well, even the thing Kuz got into about the, the way Burke moved the Sedin. Yeah. And that's a little yeah. different. But there was a lot of, there was so much posturing and trying to bring other teams into the mix and yep. kind of playing chess while other people playing checkers, yep. thinking two, three moves ahead. Yep. And I think that's, that's the point here rather than just, hey, I got this guy, you want him? Think, uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, and I, I think it's you know it is harder to do what Burke did now. Oh, impossible! Um, really, you know, it's almost impossible. But you know, there's still there are still things like you know you listen to what David Poyle was saying about uh, you know how the Subban trade happened. You listen to what Ray Shero was saying about how the Subban trade happened, and like there was very clearly a fit almost right away. Shero realized, okay, we're the only team willing to take on his whole contract, and you know the Canucks were, were a team that talked to them about it. Um, the least routine that talked to them about it, you know, that the, the, this was a player they were interested, but they were all, but everybody else was basically saying, you know, we can't take on the whole contract, you know, for cap hit reasons or whatever. And, and, uh, you know, Cheryl recognizes and Poyle, you know, himself sits back and goes, okay, what does he know? What do I know? You know, I know that I need to get rid of this player. 
I would like to get something back for him. Shero essentially knows that I'm trying to sign Matt Duchesne. He knows that I'm not going to be able to take a mint out of this. So, you know, they kind of come back between the two of it by looking at what everybody else is doing. And, you know, it's the same thing. Like, JT Miller, it's not clear to me who else was on the JT Miller hunt. So if that's the only guy, you know, I mean, there's there's this story from back in the day, the Good Branson trade. So no, but but you, I'm just saying, like that the, they call up and you know, Benning called up the Panthers and basically said, you know, I'd like to make a deal. What do you guys want? And he goes, Well, they go McCann, and he goes, Well, I assume you want more than that. <laughs> like that's the story that's out there. Yeah. So you know, it's just that part of it is just not. It's just not. It's just not a strength in his game. You know, talk to Jim about scouting players and uh, you know the talents of players, and he he'll tell you all kinds of stuff. So, do you think the Canucks are going to be like all in, deadlines lifted, we've got the jersey ready to go with Myers, or do you think they will be a little more cagey and see how it goes? I mean, I think I, I guess that's down to Myers' agent more than the Canucks. To be it honest. is a little bit. I mean, they. We asked Benning on Thursday. We said, "Listen, what are you, you know? You've mentioned you're, you were going to bring in a couple other players." He said, "Yeah, yeah, we've got one for sure, and maybe another." And then did obviously didn't get into it because as when we asked him about Tyler Myers, he then said, "Oh, I'm not talking about players on other teams," which I guess is technically true. Still Myers true, yeah. is still a Jets player, but you know, you had dinner with him last Sunday. We all know that. Anyway, I think a bit about the Pud Colson thing. I mean, I have a hard time imagining them bringing a player in, discussing a huge big money contract, having your owner there. Uh, at one of his, you know, favorite, you know, one of his restaurants, and and it all being a big bluff, like I just have a hard time imagining that. Yeah. Um, so you know, I mean, as I said, there were trades. You know, Jim would, you know, I said, are you still look? Oh yeah, yeah, I know he'd still love to make a trade because you know that he doesn't know what to do. But Louis Erickson, who apparently you know his family has moved back to Dallas, and uh, you know who clearly has you know has not been getting along with Travis Green um you know and 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 had a role that at the end of the day would would not have been very fun for a guy like him um and also on a team that wasn't winning but you know you you look at that you look at like I said the Sutters Sutters had a disastrous season you'd, you'd rather I think I think they'd like to see more of Gaudet versus Sutter um you know, they'd also like to just get those cap hits off the book so that they can do anything else. Um, but he's kind of stuck. He's, he's so in a, in a spot where, like, you know, he he'll, he would almost tell you, he said, listen, what, you know, who else am I going? And you're like, well. Well, that's it, though. Do you expect more than Myers? Like, no, I don't. Like, I last don't. year we were surprised a little bit with the Roussel and Schaller, not drastic deals, but. No, I, I don't expect, honestly, I don't, I don't think there's, like, partly because there's not a whole lot else they can do. And I'm, you know, I'm writing about this this weekend, but they, you know, they've got to resign Besser, right? So if they only have so much cap space. You know, the 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 Luongo cap recapture penalty, which you know, let's be honest, is absurd in all respects because really, this is again writing about this. Florida literally, basically saying, well, we'll take this hit so we can we can sign because there's a, there are sort of tangible cap related issues with them trying to chase Bobrovsky and Panarin and Panarin at the same time and and the sort of impacts on their cap and other moves they might have to make and the fact they have to sign a whole bunch of guys still on top of that um, you know this this basically creates more space for them in in the near term versus having to deal with sort of a long term juggle um, you know the, the Canucks don't have a whole lot of room to work with all of a sudden 
And, and that is actually the challenge that they're up against. And so I think, you know, you might, I suppose you might see there might be someone like a Gustav Nyquist who they've been, they've been linked to. Um, but, you know, maybe a depth defenseman. I mean, if they don't, if, 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 um, if Shen is gone, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I, Shen doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to sign on July 1. I mean, it's usually big names, but there's other names that sign there too. You know, there are, it's not like they have to do it on Monday. Um, I, I, I on Monday, I think Myers is going to be the big story. And I'm not sure. We might hear one or two other names, but I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, they've kind of got to be careful with what they do at this point because they're kind of stuck with other guys. So I know you've got that stuff to write. So we'll we'll wrap up with with Luongo talk. You yeah. mentioned the cap recapture penalty. All that aside, my contract sucks. All that <laughs> stuff, it just still sucks. Obviously, um, just a fantastic Mount Rushmore yeah. part of that 2011 team for the Canucks for me. With that unfortunate butt. Yeah. Well, yeah, but uh, you know, the, the Sedins have the same butt. Yeah, right. But I mean, I, mean, I think, I think it'd be, to me that, and I hate to say it because I'm a huge Luongo guy. I mean, you, you can't ignore the fact that that when the Canucks went on the road in 2011, like a beaten up team, Luongo did amazing stuff in 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 their home at home, and you know he he couldn't for whatever reason couldn't shake Boston out of his head, and on the road. They couldn't make anything happen. I think he wears too much of that. I agree Fair with enough. you, but everyone hangs that on Luongo. Their defense was horseshit. That's true. When they like that whole team yeah. was fragile they, they when they left off. home. So, but which having, is, having I guess that. that's my point. The butt, yeah. the butt is unfortunate. It's there. It's part of the story, Wait, and, so and, what, and you wish it weren't. So I've seen a lot of that debate. Like, should we retire his number? Go Ring of Honor. I mean, are you kidding me? When I look at some of the numbers that they've yeah. already retired, you got to retire Luongo's number. He was amongst like. Top two, three goalie in the NHL the for a good goalie, four, five, six he's, he's years. He's the best goalie the Canucks have ever had. And they've had a lot of good goalies. Yeah. That's and, one yeah. area where they have yeah. had good goalies. Yeah, I mean, like, you, is it, we like talking about the lack of number one defensemen. They've certainly had number one goalies. Absolutely. I used to joke about it. The Molson Cup they give to the guy in the third stars. It was like yeah. almost exclusively goalies. Like yeah. Cesar Maniego, yeah. Kurt yeah, yeah, Ridley, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gary Smith, Richard Berdeur. They all won yeah. it because they yeah. saw so much action. You played really well in a 6-4 loss to the Oilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> First exactly. star. Yeah. Um, Stood on their head. But on that point, like... I think they have to retire his number. Is there any chance they do it this year? I know no, you've covered I, their 50th anniversary. I mean, you've got the Sedins going in there, honoring Burroughs. Like, it, it would seem to be I think to me would, to be a natural, but maybe because of the timing, you I let it, it breathe take, and do I it a year it takes, after. I think it takes the glow away from the Sedins. I mean, they've really tried to frame them. They're doing a whole week on, on the Sedins, essentially. And, and they're doing the Burroughs thing. I think, I do think... You know they've and they've got a lot of other things happening next season, not just you know the nights they've started. That's crazy! Doing, all the different jerseys, and you know, all the jerseys, all the eras. You know, they're trying to recognize as much as they can. I, I, I think, I think that they're already almost at risk of sort of saturation, saturation yeah. overload. Um, no, I think you give Luongo if you're going to do that. You give it. You know, you 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 do it right. You take the time to do it. You know, the next season, the season after. Hang um, hang number one in the rafters the maybe following you, season and, maybe, and Ring maybe, of Honor BXA? Maybe you yeah. Maybe you, yeah, that I mean that would be a fun dueling one to do for sure. Or, or, or not do, a duet to do, not dueling. But I think at the same time, wouldn't you wait until after the cap recapture penalty's over? <laughs> like could you really do that while Possibly, yeah. You know? Um it just I ha- depends how badly they need to sell tickets on a night when the Panthers come to town. Yeah. That's true. A I mean, rainy Wednesday in November yeah. of twenty twenty. Yes, like, yeah. Yeah, 
Was it Leafs are coming on a Tuesday this year? Yeah, and yeah. the game's at 7 o'clock. Yeah. Shocker there. Uh, I do – look – I think we're getting more love for that 2011 team. You already know my feelings. I've been yeah. vocal on the, oh, yeah. these podcasts over the years. I think the 94 team is, for some reason, it captures this great place in people's memory. But the 2011 team, to me, was a much better team. I wonder if we'll get to the day, you know, eight, nine years from now, where we're debating whether Tanner Glasgow's on the Ring of Honor. But No, <laughs> I don't think so. You don't think so? No. <clears throat> Aaron Rome? No? Oh, wow. That would – No. <laughs> Who else from that group that we go? Okay, so we got the uh, group. We, we, we got Burroughs being Ring of Honor. We got the Sedins being you, yeah. definitely Luongo. BX will probably get Ring of Honor. Yeah. Is there anyone else? I mean, I've always been a big Sallow guy. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily know if I mean if he quite. I mean, I don't know what the standard is. I mean, it's personality obviously is part of it. You know, sort of uh, fan connection. You know, BX will love him or hate him. Always had that fan connection. Um, you know, and he was so important in 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 sort of the um, helping helping fans understand Rick Rippon. That was such a big thing yeah. in, in Bexa. You know, sort of in sort of the Bexa story. Um, I mean, I've always. I mean, to me, Salah was such an important defenseman for so long because he allowed the Canucks to do so many things whenever he was in the lineup, um, and of course, very quotable. But I, I maybe I'm not sure. You know, he sort of to me is sort of the edge of edge of that kind of question especially longevity is certainly the big 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 part of it like yeah and he was on the team for a long time i mean he was hurt a lot but he was on the team for a long time i mean a guy who is so forgotten in the 2011 conversation is christian erhoff yeah like no i'm I'm just saying you're not gonna honor him he wasn't on the team long enough right what he did for that team oh yeah when he left in many ways that's when the team fell off the and i think i think we didn't realize it maybe at the time partly because of the way he played but especially the modern game the way the game's gone like he was the number one defenseman yeah. like he he did absolutely you know an incredible incredible performer on the power play um you know you know played huge minutes that kind of keep away defender yeah, did so many things so well. I mean, it's just like, incre- honestly, Patrick. We talk now about the the bereft of talent on yeah. the Canucks blowing. You think back. You have Salo, Bieksa, Erhoff, Hamhus. Yeah, like, Hamhus is on your second pairing. Right? Yeah, like, like honestly, that and that shows the depth you need yeah. to actually contend, right? Yeah, and then arguments about um, arguments about uh, you know Aaron Rome versus Keith Ballard. Like, <laughs> if that's your debate, you know, how do we get this Tanev kid in and yeah. things like that? Like, yeah. yeah, it's it's wild. Yeah, that era. I mean, I'm just trying to think of what else for Ring of Honor. I mean, like, would you put Bertuzzi in the Ring of Honor? Is that something? Or is he, I think he probably will. At some yeah, point. you know, it's not like the Moore incident doesn't wipe that out. It, I think that delays it for sure. Right. Uh, Again, yeah. far be it for me to be accused of being cynical, Brandon but Morrison. I think, yeah, I think when you're looking Joe for Nocky. special days to market, yeah. it's, you can get people up to the rink. It might, it might be a factor. Joe Nof- I'm just trying to think who else could go up there. Jovanovski, maybe. I don't know if he was on the team long enough, really. It's kind of getting to getting down. It is. getting down to kind of down to the you know. I mean, you go back for the back. I mean, it's, you know, there's been arguments for like Tony Tanti, and then you know you're looking at I don't know Doug Lidster or something like that. But yeah, I mean, you go so far back, it's almost like you lose track of. I mean, those teams are so different, and people don't now don't see. I don't know if they have the same connection. I know there's obviously fans well, from that era. But, uh, again, it's why they overvalue the '94 team. I just think you water it down when you're reaching right. for names that aren't obvious. So anyway, anyway, we have uh, covered most of the ground we we uh, that well, we've had we here. Left stuff out. Yeah, I think. 
there's some stuff we've left out. We could have gone a little deeper on the cap stuff. But, look, I know that's to be talked about. We'll do yeah. another one next week sure. at, in, after free agency with seeing who signs. So thanks for listening, everyone. Um, Patrick's got work to do. But we will have the reaction next week to who the Canucks bring in in free agency. Jim Benning's to-do list is uh, still got some items to check off as we head through this offseason. We'll remind you to subscribe to the Whitetail Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating, please. And also remind you again of our special offer. If you like the journalism that we do here every day, remind you, Patrick has a great Instagram account, Patty J on the Road, which he uh, details his exploits traveling around North America. Well, that costs money, folks. So if you want to help pay for that, uh, you can get a deal to subscribe to the newspaper. Go to theprovince.com slash podcast or Vancouver Sun slash or dot com slash podcast and you will get a free 30 day offer for our online uh, service. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you next week.